You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Glass. Elijah's changed over the years. He's given up. We keep him heavily sedated. But there is a reason for that. He's too smart for them. You won't be lonely anymore. You have two new friends. Three of you think you have extraordinary gifts, like something out of a comic book. I've developed an effective treatment for this disorder. The light will force a different identity to take over. Por favor, senora. I want my headphones back. Step away from the controls now, little doctor. Can't beat the beast! So you're not gonna shake my hand and let me walk out of here? (laughs) Good for you. What do you want? I am here to see if tales of the extraordinary being are true. May I meet the beast? I'm Mary Reynolds. I need your abilities to get us all out of here and show the world we exist. That sounds like the bad guys teaming up. Do you believe you are an avenging angel? I believe Avengers. I have to get out of here before he gets up. They are contained. They always underestimate the mastermind. It has begun, David. I've found someone who will require your full potential. You shouldn't be hiding in the shadows. You might want to try and stop us. A lot of people are going to die. Now, who'd like a PB and J sandwich? We are not meant to have this much power. (laughs) Finally, all of us together for the world to see what we are capable of. You need to get out of here. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Glass, and the story is as follows. M. Night Shyamalan brings together the narratives of two of his standout originals, 2000's Unbreakable and 2016's Split, in one explosive all-new comic book thriller called Glass. From Unbreakable, Bruce Willis returns as David Dunn, as does Samuel L. Jackson as Elijah Price, known also by his pseudonym, Mr. Glass. Joining from Split are James McAvoy, reprising his role as Kevin Wendell Crumb and the multiple identities who reside within, and Anya Taylor-Joy as Casey Cook, the only captive to survive an encounter with the Beast. Following the conclusion of Split, Glass finds Dunn pursuing Crumb's superhuman figure of the Beast in a series of escalating encounters, while the shadowy presence of Price emerges as an orchestrator who holds secrets critical to both men. The film is starring James McAvoy, Bruce Willis, Anya Taylor-Joy, Sarah Paulson, and Samuel L. Jackson. It is written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, and joining me for this review, I have Josh Parm. Hello, hello. Cody Derricks. First name Cody, last name Derricks. And Danilo Castro. How's it going, everybody? Well, I'll tell you how it's going. I was doing very, very well. 
I was doing great, actually. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because I rewatched Unbreakable, and it was a lot better than I remember it being. And I very much enjoyed my experience watching it. Then I watched Split, first time I had seen that in about, what was it? It's been like two years now. It was 2017, yeah. Two years. Yeah, and I really, really enjoyed my repeat viewing of that as well. And I was so ready to watch Glass. I saw this all at the M. Night Shyamalan-a-thon in Brooklyn, New York at the Alamo Draft House, where they screened all three films. And right before Glass started, M. Night Shyamalan was live and in person, and he comes out and he gives this Q&A for the audience talking about how... This has been like a dream project for him. He feels like he lost his creative mojo for a few years, but he's finally got it back. And this is the culmination of everything that he's been working towards, and it's for his fans. And he's super, super excited that there's excitement around a movie that he's making again. And I can tell you that after watching Glass, I am once again not excited to see what M. Night Shyamalan does next. <laughs> Holy God, what a disappointment this was for me. Oh, man, I, I have a lot of thoughts on Glass, but I want to hear from all of you. So, Cody, why don't we actually first start off with you? What did you think of Glass? So I'm an M. Night Defender. I love, uh, like, I'd say a solid half of the movies he's done. Like, even The Village, I think, is kind of a quiet masterpiece. Um I thought this was fine. <laughs> I'm right in the middle. I really enjoyed Split and Unbreakable, so I had some expectation going in. But overall, I, I think this got a little up its own ass in terms of its own mythology and themes. I'm not really quite sure what the movie was trying to say, but it I didn't think it was a bad movie. I'm honestly still wrestling with this one. You were split on it. Hey. Yeah, some might say he is split. Is anybody unbreakable, though? We're going to find out. Danilo, what about you? Um, I think Shyamalan's first three films in particular are fantastic. I like The Village. And then after that, it gets pretty messy pretty fast. Um, I had c- cautious optimism kind of going into this. I thought Split was good. This is definitely a return to form. I think Unbreakable is fantastic. So I was thinking if he was ever going to pull out sort of a a comeback on this level, this would definitely be it. But it it didn't come together for me. I think I think the first act of the film had me going uh, in terms of some of the themes they're going with, some of the some of the ideas. But come the final act, where there was just one head scratching turn after another for me, and I I checked out. This is this is pretty messy. Um, yeah, no, this didn't do it for me. This is a disappointment. Okay, okay. Parm, what about you? Well, first of all, for me, going into this movie, I didn't have incredibly high expectations because unlike most of the rest of the world, I did not think that Split was a, a, a wholly great movie. I thought it was fine for what it was, but I thought even Split was slightly overhyped. So... I didn't really walk into Glass expecting to see something that was going to be really that good of a movie. And that's sort of what I got. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of it, sort of like with Cody. I think that there are elements to it that are kind of interesting in what it wants to say about comic book mythology and, and frankly, comic book storytelling. But it gets so muddled in its storytelling as well and just becomes such a convoluted mess especially by the end and I would even say the beginning felt very sluggish and lethargic to me and 
while there are elements to this film I did enjoy, ultimately it just never added up to anything that I found to be very riveting. And so I walked out feeling feeling pretty much like it was not that great of a film and another kind of dud for Shyamalan's filmography, unfortunately. All right. So, yeah, I, I mean, like, I have to say that in the beginning, right, we're start, the movie starts off with James McAvoy. And immediately, I, that's like one element from Split that I think is retained here, which is that his performance is still fantastic as the Beast, as Kevin Wendell Crumb, as these 23 personalities that reside in him. I, I think that's kind of indisputable almost. Although, Josh, you said you had some reservations with Split. Like, like what do you think of James McAvoy's performance as this character or characters? I think his performance is still good. Um, I think it is a bit inconsistent, though, and, and it's sort of the point, but some of his personalities are very interesting and entertaining, and then other times it just drives me up a wall. So <laughs> it, 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 I can't deny that he is good, but it's not something that even I would say is like one of my all-time favorites of his. Okay. Well, the movie starts off with him. And immediately I'm like, yes, yes, give me more of this. I, I want to see more of James McAvoy as this character. I was feeling it. I was I was all about it. And within the first few minutes, I I don't I don't know. Should we get into spoilers for this one? Should, I should think we like? Yes. You kind I of have to, please. Okay, so within the first few minutes. The confrontation between David Dunn and the Beast happens within the first 10 minutes of the film. And right then and there, I immediately had this feeling creep into my skin, which was M. Night Shyamalan is trying to subvert our expectations once again. And I think that he probably has overthought this screenplay and he's probably written himself into a corner, one that I fear he's not going to be able to get out of unless if he has an ending that completely wows us. And while I could totally see what he was going for with the ending of this movie, I really felt extremely let down by it. Um, another reason why I felt let down by it is because I honestly do believe that it's also repeating themes that were expressed already in Unbreakable instead of exploring new and uncharted territory for him as a writer. Um, I kind of agree. I actually found the third act to be my favorite part. I, I loved the expansion of the exploration of the purpose and origin of comic books, even though it's, you know, extremely far-fetched. <laughs> it's still, I thought that was a really enjoyable kind of um theme to go through and as the movie goes on it gets more and more kind of classic comic book with its imagery you know there's a lot of framing that almost mimics the frames in comic books and the you know specific use of colors tied to characters i enjoyed all of that um the first act kind of like what you said josh is i found kind of almost boring the mm -hmm. entire first hour i was waiting for something to happen no it's the second i think it's the second act that's awful you're talking about when they actually get to um the psychiatric hospital, I mean, Ravenhill. Besides acts, literally the first hour, I was kind of just like, what's going on? And then sure. I, once I settled into the fact that we're not going to be leaving the uh, mental institution, I was a little bit more okay with it, but I just was waiting for something to happen. See, my problem with the mental institution is that, and tell me if you guys think I'm wrong about this too, because my perception of Unbreakable is that 
Unbreakable made us believe that superheroes could exist within the real world. Whether or not they're the superheroes that you imagine with tights and the cape and, you know, fighting crime and so on and so forth, I think is sort of irrelevant. The idea was that heroes can be beings that are just simply extraordinary, but they don't have to be extru- uh, like super extraordinary. They can do things that humans are still capable of and be considered um, extraordinary. You, you, know, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but what I'm getting at, though, is that what Glass does is Glass wants to take that belief and that idea that superheroes exist within the real world, and it literally wants to tear it down. And it kind of backtracks itself and tries to undo everything that Unbreakable did with these psychiatric scenes involving Sarah Paulson, where she's asking believable questions and questions that make logical sense. But I feel like it's killing a bit of the fun uh, that comes from Unbreakable and what could have been with Glass and that we want to believe that superheroes are real. Why are you trying so hard to tell us that they're not? <laughs> I actually kind of disagree with you there, Matt. I think okay. the setup of Sarah Paulson's character questioning the superheroes who then start to have self-doubt is supposed to give us a similar amount of self-doubt that is supposed to be like the characters reignited with the third act when they are doing super things. And it's revealed that, you know, again, spoiler, Sarah Paulson is part of this organization that is seeking out superheroes and suppressing them because they believe society needs to function on its the way it has been. Hail Hydra. That twist kind of, you know, <laughs> shows that she was lying to them. She does believe that they're superheroes. Mm. But I, I, don't you think that's a little messy and convoluted for its own good? I actually don't think so. I think that pretty that, that's kind of a pretty decent setup and payoff personally, but I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> tell you you're wrong to be think it's messy. Okay, that's fair. Well, for me, I don't necessarily think that it's messy, but what I do think is that it does suffer from a similar problem that I had with Split, which is it makes the stakes in the story feel very muted until you get to the very end. And I think that's the cause of my frustration with this film is that those hospital scenes just feel like I'm sitting there wondering like what the point of this is, like what is the driving force and the motivation? And I couldn't really find anything that felt like it was really sticking with me. And the reason for that is because the movie's holding it back. But in doing so, it just makes me feel like I'm wasting my time here until I get to the end. And then it just depends on whether or not you buy the twist. And if you don't, then you just feel even more angry at the movie for not doing anything for most of its runtime. Can we also talk about Anya Taylor-Joy for a minute here and what this whole helter-skelter storyline is between her and James McAvoy? Because... I while once again, while this is something that I can understand it makes logical sense, it felt silly to me. And it felt like it just didn't belong within this movie. And it also felt underdeveloped and something that honestly, like if you were gonna make a a, se- a true sequel to split with those two characters, that's a storyline that could be explored more and fleshed out. But here it just felt so surface level and so unnecessary and did not add the level of depth to um, the emotion that I was hoping to feel when we did get to the third act. And also pretty predictable, too. I I felt like there might have been something else to do with that character, but the arc that she goes through in this film kind of just feels like the one that you expected to happen. And that was very disappointing, especially because we, I assume here, all love Anya Taylor-Joy. She's a great actress, and I'm excited to watch her in anything, but 
this was not really something that I felt she deserved in terms of an interesting character to play. I agree. I felt like her character was kind of forced into a role that was needed to be filled. Like Samuel Jackson had his mother, that character. Uh, Bruce Willis's character had the son. It's like McAvoy's character needed that token uh, normal person to fit into that role almost. And I felt like they kind of forced her into that. I kind of got Silence of the Lambs vibes from their interaction a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And like I said, this is all interesting if you go a little bit deeper with it. But this is like, you know, this is why, where I, co- I keep coming back to with this film being a mess. It feels like it's trying to juggle too many plot lines. Like, I mean, Danilo, you brought up um, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Elijah Price's mother, uh, who's played by um, Charlene Woodward and uh, Woodard in this. And let's also let's also remember that she's younger than Samuel L. Jackson, and they <laughs> yeah. try to give her this terrible makeup to make her look oh, older. Oh God, her makeup was so bad; it looked like a burn victim. I'm sorry, but it was a terrible makeup job. And then in that flashback, it was like, "Oh, hi, there you are." <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very distracting, and I just feel like all this stuff was completely shoehorned in because, I, once again, I understand his motivation as a writer. I get what M. Night Shyamalan is trying to say. I get what he's trying to do. But the execution of it, his his ability as a director to see this vision through just didn't do it for me. And what it kind of just left me feeling by the end with all this hype and all this buildup, because like I said earlier, this is the first time I've been excited about an M. Night Shyamalan film in years. And this was the best he could come up with? I think it seemed like he kind of wanted to take a world that he already was living in and kind of create his own little shared universe in a way. I mean, I'm I'm projecting, but maybe he saw, you know, what's going on with Marvel and DC and he thought, hey, maybe I could do that too, but with my own comic book creations, which is kind of admirable. It's right. Know, it's a little it's a little big headed, but also like that is an interesting artistic leap to make. I can appreciate that. I, I think it's difficult because Unbreakable, not only did it kind of precede the whole superhero craze that we're living in but i thought the fact that it was grounded in realism and and kind of a standalone film and then making it part of an extended universe where there's other heroes it almost uh kind of takes away some of the authenticity of like the groundedness of it i think just by virtue of making it a larger universe and a series and a trilogy the other thing too that i also i also feel the need to comment on this he, he had said in a Q&A at, at the event that I attended that he was offered by Disney, he was given a blank check for this movie. They pretty much said, name your price. And he chose, once again, admirable decision. He chose to keep the same tone, style, and feel of that low-budget superhero film like Unbreakable and, Light, and like Split. Because he wanted the writing, he wanted the characterization, he wanted things that you would focus on with an indie filmmaker sensibility to shine through mm-hmm. with this movie. Now, I'm not saying that this movie needed big set pieces and sky beams, you know, and a big showdown on a, uh, you know, large building at the end of the film. I, I'm not saying that this film needed all of that. I do think it's admirable that it is once again, kind of based in this real world, grounded within reality. But I do think that the film, this is just, I I really think this is a personal thing for me where it's just like my expectations just might've been way too sky high for this and the film just couldn't live up to them. And then the film pulls a red herring on us by teasing us that we're going to get some sort of an epic showdown at the end of the movie 
when instead it just feels like a complete whimper and an ending that does not feel earned, where instead of this emotional catharsis that we're supposed to feel for these characters, we are kind of left instead saying, that's it? I actually kind of liked the, the red herring of the, you know, that ugly ass building, the Osaka Tower. I, <laughs> I liked that it kind of tied into um, Mr. Glass's delusions of grandeur that he was having this humongous epic showdown in his head. And it was literally all in his head. And I mean, also it was part of the plot to not actually get there. But I like that it he was forced to kind of fight it out on a small scale and it didn't go by his terms. You know, he tried to hide the fact about Kevin's parents from him and um, uh, Bruce Willis's son ends up telling him instead. I, I, I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I actually didn't mind that it played at very small scale at the end because what it did was that it forced that moment to become really about those characters. And exactly. ob- obviously when you get into big scale action spectacle, that can kind of get lost. And the point of this movie is to bring the grounded humanity to these uh, giant mythical tales from comic books. So in that respect, I did sort of admire that uh, that play that Shyamalan was going for. I just don't think it was particularly executed in the best way possible. But the idea behind it, I do think is kind of interesting. I think it goes back to something that I've felt for a while now about M. Night Shyamalan, which is I think he's very good in Unbreakable at focusing in on character. And he has a patience with the storytelling in that film that I thought worked very well for the intrigue and the unraveling of that screenplay and keeping us on the edge of our seats as to what was the true nature of Devin, uh, David Dunn. And also, too, it allowed for us to ruminate on the film's uh, central questions that it was asking. With Split... I felt like it was an onslaught for the senses. There was a lot of tension. I thought it was actually some of his best work in terms of creating uh, tension-filled sequences. Um, And he's shown a knack for doing that before. It's just I, I think that he gets a little too carried away sometimes with the dialogue and the awkward moments of conversation like I, I i keep coming back to this one thing where this one uh orderly or security guard or whatever he is in this movie is talking to another character about vitamin water for like a minute does anyone does anyone remember yeah, that uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah to kind of buy yeah. time for mr glass yeah and i just think it's like it's i almost wonder if m night Shyamalan is just playing into this idea that he's become known for writing these awkward exchanges of dialogue and he just doesn't care and he's going to just play into that because it's one of those things where it's like it's so bad it might be good sort of thing and he's just giving his fans more of what is expected i i know i just i just think that that's how m night Shyamalan writes i think that's just his sense of humor i don't think that there's anything meta about that well the one moment i thought was meta meta was when he actually made his cameo in the film or he was trying to be meta, rather. Yeah, because he said something along the lines of, you know, I, I had a rough spot, but I turned it around with positive thinking, which could almost be, you know, referencing mm-hmm. his awful run of like four to five, you know, disastrous movies in the mid to late 2000s. And you know what? Hey, positive thinking, uh, you know, by all accounts, Glass is probably going to be a box office hit because there's a curiosity and an anticipation behind it. And people are seeing it even despite the poor critical reception. So, okay, you know what? Power power to him. And there are some people that definitely do like this movie. Like a central theme that Unbreakable and Glass, to a certain extent, 
explores, though, about trying to achieve your full potential, I just do not believe that this movie achieved its full potential is all. So he can keep that positive mental attitude all he wants, but he did not achieve greatness with this. And I do believe that the recipe for greatness was truly there. It's just... This movie just doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know if it wants to be another horror film like Split, another character study like Unbreakable, a combination of both, another deconstruction of the superhero genre. I, I just, I don't know. It, it was just, it was, it's like that scene in The Hurt Locker where he's trying to like, you know, save the guy from the from the bomb and he just says, there's too many locks. There's too many locks. I'm sorry. That's how I feel about uh, Glass right now. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like it's trying to juggle too many things at once and if it had just focused on one it would have been such a stronger film but as it is it just does feel like that the story stretches itself a little bit too thin for me performances uh let's talk about performances what we liked what we didn't like uh i i hate to say this bruce willis phoned it in again man he did he is he is so boring in this yeah it's awful every there there's a lot of use of pov close-ups and every time they cut to another character strangling or punching him or kicking him he had the same kind of just i'm sorry like dopey expression on his face just his mouth slightly open and his eyes totally dead it was really kind of disheartening to watch and and to that point i thought the fights were pretty underwhelming yeah. Oh, very much so. He did not look like he was that into was, it physically at all. No, it looked like he was not willing to choreograph. Like, he was not going to put up with that. So there was just a lot of pushing and shoving and choking. I have a feeling they used a, they made good use of that humongous oh, yeah. cape hood poncho to kind of yeah. hide somebody who's not Bruce Willis. <laughs> Overseer stunt double. Yep. Well, well, the problem with those fight sequences to me is that you've got Bruce Willis who's like, you know, very old, or at least looks very old, and sure. is, is not very participatory. So and old. then, like, James McAvoy, like, he's in great shape, don't get me wrong, but yeah. he's also, like, five foot seven. So yeah. he's, it's a, it's he's not, like, a very big, intimidating guy either. So it, it just looked like a very awkwardly staged fight between this old dude and this very in shape but rather short man. And yeah. it just felt like a very <laughs> weird thing to watch. Um, as far as other performances, though, I I agree. I think James McAvoy turns in another stunning performance. His his performance in Split was my favorite leading actor performance of that year. And I think he just continues to grow here. It's such an interesting... I mean, obviously, you know, he has to craft, what is it, like 24 different characters. But his physical performance is unbelievable. And I don't just mean because he looks <laughs> like a god, but literally every <laughs> character has a different way of standing and movement and pace. It's really incredible. And physical performance is something that's really undervalued in today's acting, I'd say. It just goes to show you that I almost feel like if you're auditioning for a role and James McAvoy walks in a room, he could probably play it. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> like, no matter what quirks, no matter what you know, little things the character has, I, James McAvoy could probably play that role because oh, he yeah, has shown performance is like an audition reel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, he. I mean, I'm not saying he was ever hurting for work or anything like that, but I mean, th- th- there should be no denying the fact that James McAvoy is capable of playing any role that he is given with this because each one of those personalities, yeah, they're a bit caricature, but. He's fully, fully committed to it. 
and right. that and shows. They have to make an impression in as little time as possible. You know, some of them had two lines of dialogue, and I still saw a fully conceived, fleshed out person. Exactly, Samuel L. Jackson. I, I I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought Samuel L. Jackson was my favorite performance in the film. I he was good. I, I loved him in this movie, and I think I have an affection for really not over the top, but very kind of even comic booky villains to a certain point. I, I do love villains in movies and his commitment to this idea that he was doing and being the mastermind and how he was able to manipulate people around him. I just, that was just stuff that really played to me. So I thought he was terrific in this film. I wish that he had been in the film more for a movie called glass. <laughs> yeah. I like, I don't know. There are times where I think the performance is pretty menacing and I can definitely sense his intelligence coming through. And then there are times where I do feel like Samuel L. Jackson is hamming it up and it's unintentionally funny at times. And I and this is a personal thing, but I still, still, still cannot take him seriously anytime his bones break and he yells. I just hear him like in Django when he gets like shot in the kneecaps, just like, ah, <laughs> like his, just Samuel Jackson yelling for some reason is just the most unconvincing thing to me. And it, I, I really think it's actually unintentionally hilarious. Um, you make of that what you will, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still found him to be very captivating in the film. I, and for, and I think maybe it's just because for a lot of it, I was so uninterested and bored by it that when he did come on, Samuel Jackson just has a natural screen presence that I just can't help but be drawn into. And when comparing it to much of the rest of the film, I think maybe that just stood out to me a whole lot more. Okay, at this point, I want to get to final thoughts, grades out of 10, Oscar potential. Uh, Final thoughts. Was there anything that we did not touch upon that you all want to uh, talk about here? Mm, not really (laughs) jesus there's just not much to say about it unfortunately i did miss james newton howard in this yeah and i noticed in the end credits the score they credited a lot of his individual compositions from unbreakable in the score it feel and i i also have to think to myself too that had i not seen unbreakable just a few hours prior to watching glass you know back to back with unbreakable split and then this I do wonder if my grading would be a little bit, you know, a little bit more lenient towards Glass because I feel like I saw something really special with Unbreakable and then just a burden of expectation and the fact that M. Night Shyamalan tries to subvert those expectations, it just, I don't know, it just it just didn't work for me. Uh, with that said, I'm going three out of ten. Ooh. Josh? Uh, I'm going to go four out of ten. Uh, I I don't think it's a terrible film, but it is a deeply flawed one for sure. And I mean, Shyamalan has certainly made worse movies than this, and I give it a lot of credit for trying to be its own thing, but it just never, like every opportunity it has to stick the landing, it manages to miss it for me. Cody. I'm going a six out of 10, which is right in the middle for me, which, but that is significantly lower than the rating I gave to both Split and Unbreakable. I, I think you see it for James McAvoy's performance, and um, it's a big swing, which is always admirable, but I don't think he completely knocks out of the park. And Danilo? I'm going to go with 4 out of 10 as well. I think if you break it down, there's some individual pieces that are promising, but as a whole, it just it just doesn't come together into much of anything. And we're all in agreement that there's not a single chance this lands at next year's Oscars. No way. No. <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah. If he couldn't get in for Split, which I think he should have, and there was talk about it, he's not. nobody's getting in for this. No, not at all. I mean, the film is certainly not as strong. The novelty has kind of worn off. It has a kind of, oh, we've been here before. We've seen that. Um, oh, I have one last thing I just want to add really quickly before we go. Uh, I still, 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 and I said this on our Unbreakable podcast review, which you can subscribe to Patreon for and listen to the full review on. Um, I really, really, really cannot stand that David Dunn's weakness is water. I think it is the silliest thing, uh, strictly because the whole body is made up of water. I just, <laughs> like, what does he, and what does he do when he takes a shower? You know, does he take a shower? He takes a shower, not breakable, I remember. <laughs> but th- these are questions that I, I like, I don't, uh, and I know it kind of plays into the whole, is it in his mind, is it not? And it's, the whole film is trying to get us to, once again, doubt. Or doubt or believe is like straddles a fine line between whether or not superheroes are real. And I just, I him and the aliens from Science. Once again, I feel like with Glass, I feel like the film should have made a definitive stance on M Night Shyamalan. Do you believe that superheroes are real or do you not? He should have taken a stance at this I, at this I point. I think Sarah Paulson's organization kind of shows that he does. I mean that that's what I took away from that at least. Yeah, I. I yeah. Okay. Can't believe that there's a logic gap in an M. Night Shyamalan film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, t- the twist was making us believe that Glass was going to be his best film. Uh, that's that's the big twist the of this twist. film. Steel Twits of Rubin. For you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> In any event, though, uh, thank you all for uh, joining me for uh, this review of Glass. Uh, Cody, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. You can follow me at CodyMonster91, and you can follow my horror movie podcast at Halloweeners Pod. Josh Parham. You can follow me on Twitter at JR Parham. And Danilo Castro. You can find me on Twitter at Danilo S. Castro. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Glass here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and now newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment. Rate us five stars. We really, really appreciate that, and it helps for us to be discovered more, which is always a plus. And if you're feeling supportive, to head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content. I mentioned the Unbreakable review. We also have a review of the sixth sense that went up and we have some other podcast content as well thank you so much once again and we shall see you all next time